0: Boom. Mm-hmm. This is Hacker Public Radio. Hi everyone, this is Clatu, and this is Hacker Public Radio and I'm gonna talk about Ice Cast and Ices and But and MPD and a bunch of other things. This is really a collaborative episode, I'm just taking all the glory and fame for myself. Contributing to this episode and not being heard on this episode were K Wisher from uh KWisher dot. I don't know, I just made that up. And Delwyn from skyhaven.net or org or something. And a bunch of other people who helped me finally, finally understand all of this. So, what is all of this? Well, all of this consists of the very concept of streaming media online. It's, it's done everywhere. We, we, we use streaming media all the time. I mean, think about it. YouTube, Netflix, that's all I can think of, but there's a lot of them out there. Oh, Jamindo, internet radio stations, all, all the things that, that, you know, all the multimedia. content on online or a lot of it is is available as a streaming in a streaming form and that's really great and it's, it's a lot of fun and makes the internet a much more uh, loud place but how does it work well if you don't know fear not I did not know either for the longest time people would ask me about streaming I really had no clue what they were talking about I mean I knew the concept but I certainly didn't know how it all worked and frankly I still don't um, i I still don't have a good notion of what exactly it is that a, a web browser or whatever is latching onto when you're saying, okay, give me this media and just keep it coming. Just keep getting the media as it streams to you. I always want my web browser or my, my whatever I'm using to, to grab media from a network location. I, I want to think that there's this self-contained, finite file, you know, some number of bytes That is predictable and I should be able to grab onto that and transfer all of those bytes and bits and then close the connection and that's it. That's, that's how it works, right? So how is it that you can open a web browser or a media player or whatever to a, a a location on a server that doesn't, that doesn't have a finite amount of, of bits? or bytes. Uh, How how does that work? Well, I don't don't really know the the low level of that stuff. I don't know what the the variables involved are when you're doing that as opposed to just grabbing a file with some finite predetermined size. Can't tell you. But we're not going to be concerned about sort of the the technical background and and what's going on behind the scenes. We're going to be concerned about the technical background and what's going on behind the scenes. On the server, so client side I don't care about right now. We're going to talk really mostly about the server and how you, as a server admin, can set up a streaming server, get your content onto the server, and then stream it out so that people can tap into it and listen. And that simile, that 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 uh, that example, that simile, I guess, whatever, um, is is very apropos because tapping into a stream, you you think of maybe putting a tap on a. a keg of I don't know coffee or something or putting a faucet in, on a pipeline and and so it's streaming this c- sort of continuous flow of information or water or or maple syrup or whatever you're tapping into and and then the faucet that you're using lets you get that content even as it as it continues on by so I'm going to use that a couple of times because at least in my mind it helps understand the the structure of some of the applications that are playing very important roles on the on the back end so the thing that will take center stage right now for streaming media on a linux server is something called icecast so icecast is a it's a streaming server its job is to create a mount point on a server that clients can then connect to and get whatever is streaming now what's interesting is that you can start up icecast and you can run it you can have it all configured and, and start that service and it can be streaming nothing. Really, it can it can be sort of if you could imagine a, a a pipeline without anything in it. But there's the conduit, right? So you've got like this this empty stream. That's important to understand because IceCast is kind of an independent piece of this whole puzzle. So the process, the workflow here is to set up IceCast. That creates the conduit for your stream. And then to plug in different components like ICES, or MPD, or but or whatever, and feed that conduit with actual data that people, that people could listen to. Okay, so let's install IceCast then. Obviously the installation is going to depend on what distribution you're running on your server, so if you're running Slackware, you could install it via slackbuilds.org. Uh, go there or use my sport tool. Sport install IceCast will install Icecast. Now for the record it's actually Icecast 2. That's important. Not that probably there are that many IceCast version 1 packages floating around out there, but just know that actually it is IceCast 2. And some distributions might specify it as IceCast 2. In fact, I think Debian does. I think if you go to Debian uh, and install it with aptitude install or whatever, apt-get install, whatever you use, I think it's IceCast 2 that it it lists. I I don't remember if they actually have one offered or what, but the name of the package is IceCast 2. Anyway, however you you get there, yum install icecast, emerge icecast, I don't know, all the different ways you could possibly do it, install icecast, it's not hard on any Linux or BSD distribution. So you do that, you install it, and now you're left with, as is often the case, the executable binary itself, which in this case will probably be in slash usr slash bin icecast, or slash usr slash bin slash icecast2, and then you'll have a bunch of, or at least one, possibly two configuration files. I say at least one and possibly two because again, on Debian where they do that whole thing of dumping some of your config files in slash etsy slash default and then the other ones in slash etsy slash icecast two, you'll have you might have more than one configuration file depending on what system you're running. So there are a couple of things that you need to do, certainly, to get this thing up and running. Out of the box, as it is installed right now, if you typed in IceCast 2 or IceCast or whatever, it would fail to launch because there's an enable flag in the configuration file. Now in the Debian version, it is in slash Etsy slash default slash IceCast 2. And you need to go into that file specifically and look at the bottom of the file. There's an enable equals false you need to set that to true. If you don't set that to true, then when you attempt to start the init script for IceCast, it will fail. In other distributions, this file will be found in the IceCast folder itself, in slash etsy slash icecast, or icecast2, whatever, slash icecast.conf. So just look around for that. You should be able to find it pretty easily. It's a small file, and really the only thing you need to change, you, you absolutely need to change, is the enable flag. There's some other options in there, I think, for logging and stuff like that, but but enable should be set to true. So do that first. So the, the next thing that you can do is look at slash etsy slash Icecast or icecast2 slash icecast.xml. That's important because without this configuration file, you'll be running a very, very, very stock configuration of icecast, and that's not necessarily the most secure or really what you want to do. Okay, so the icecast.xml is a little bit more complex-looking than it actually is. It gives you a lot of examples, a lot of things that you could turn on to make a maybe a fancier server than what we really need to do just to get this thing up and running, so we probably won't do that. But a couple of the things to pay attention to would be, right up at the top of this file, there are limits that you can set. So you can limit how many connections or clients can actually connect to your Icecast server. KWisher wisher had us test his streaming server, and I think he was getting a hundred clients easily. I don't remember how much RAM he said he had on his box, but he, he wasn't having any issues with 100 clients. I've I've not reached 100 yet myself, I don't believe, and uh, I've got 8 gigs of RAM. It's like a, I don't know, a dual-core AMD of some amount of powerful gigahertz. So, I don't know. Um, it's... I'd play around with that. I, 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 le- I left it at the default value for now. Sources... I'm limiting it to two because I only want there to be two sources for this IceCast stream, uh, both of which exist on this same box. So I decided to limit it to just two because that's really all I'll ever need right now. So you can set that and other limits as well, depending on what your needs are. So the next thing is the authentication. And as you might expect, yeah, authentication's kind of important. So the th- this is authentication not for you to sort of log into anything. It's authentication for your sources. And relays, if you're going to do any relays, which were not in this episode. But but certainly, you're going to have a source. You're going to have some kind of thing that wants to talk to IceCast, remember? Because that's what we were saying. One of the things about IceCast is that it lays down this conduit, and then you use little plugins, or I guess we could call them sources, to feed that IceCast stream with different kinds of data, whether it's an OGG file, or an MP3 file, or a microphone, or whatever. Those are all sources, and they need to be able to authenticate with Icecast, or else you could have totally random things being inserted into your stream without your knowledge, and that could be a bad thing. So the source password you need to set, I think by default it's set to something like hack me, and you should change it. So we'll change that to, let's just say, um, I don't know, purple llamas. So we set that to purple llamas, and now that's our password that we need to remember because when we start plugging sources into our Icecast, it's going to kind of want to know that password. You can do the same thing with your relay password if you're going to do relays. I'm not going to do relays in this episode. You can also have an admin login, which is something that will be able to actually sort of actually be used because there are some nice friendly Icecasty interfaces that you could take advantage of once you get all this set up. So the admin user, you should give that person a name. I'm going to call it cla2. and then the uh, password for that I'm going to set to purple llamas as well. And I know that's probably really bad practice, but uh, it's just easier for us to keep track of all that stuff right now I think. The host name you can actually leave as localhost. The next thing that you'll probably notice is the host name value and that is set by default to localhost. I actually keep it at localhost myself because I'm not I'm not publishing a URL via Icecast, so it doesn't really matter w- what what Icecast thinks its host name is. It doesn't. That's not going to be seen by anyone. Um, if you know, th- there are different ways to configure this, obviously, and this this is the way that I'm configuring it. If you want to look into other ways, you can. We'll just keep it like this for now. The listen socket is port eight thousand by default and we'll keep it there because why not? And um that's about all you really need. There's further down the I mean you'll see a lot of commented out stuff probably and a lot of this is like I say it's just kind of examples of fancier setups that you could investigate later. But for now I think all of the all of the defaults are, are pretty good. So everything else, basically, you can just leave as-is. That's enough to get, us, to get us going. So now you're configured. You're configured with, with the XML file, and you're configured with your conf file. You've enabled it in the conf file, and you've set some, some non-default values for passwords and usernames in the XML file. And other than that, that's all you really need to do. So now what you can do is launch Icecast, and the way that you're going to do that, again, naturally, Depends on your system, on the, on the distribution. So if it's Slackware, it would be in slash etsy slash rc d slash rc dot If you're on Debian, it would be slash etsy slash init dot d slash icecast 2. And on Fedora these days, system control or systemctl start icecast dot service or whatever it is. So now it's started. And as I've said, now your conduit exists. You've got a, you've got a pipeline in place only there's nothing there. So, in theory, if you were to go to a client machine and point your web browser to, HT or your media player, to http colon slash slash migrate streaming server dot com colon 8000, then you've got an empty stream. Now, actually, anything that would normally play a stream for you would detect that there is no place to obtain a stream and fail out, or time out, or something like that. And so that would be useless, but but conceptually that is there, and 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 you can still kind of see what's going on with Icecast by simply pointing a web browser to, uh, HTTP colon slash slash migratestreamingserver.com s- colon, eight thousand slash xsl. That will show you any kind of pertinent data on your Icecast streaming server, such as any available mount points, of which right now there are none. Um, how many people are connected to your your streaming service, which right now would be zero, and and how long it's been online and things like that. So that exists. It's part of the Icecast distribution. I I forget where they stash that. It might be someplace in like slash usr slash share slash Icecast something like that. But but that XSL is there. It gives you a little bit of updates and and status reports on what exactly is going on with your streaming server, which is kind of fun to look at sometimes. And it kind of confirms that, hey, yes, IceCast is working, it's up and running, it's ready to accept a source. So let's get something streaming then. Let's get a source going so that our IceCast conduit can actually have data in it so that people can connect and hear stuff. So that's not that hard, and there are a lot of different options. In this episode, I'm going to give us the kind of the default, um, I want to say native, although I don't really know if that's the right word, but it's kind of the one that that goes along really nicely and was built, I think, for IceCast specifically, if if I recall correctly. So it's called Ices, I-C-E-S. There are two versions of it. There's Ices, the one that exists now, and then there's Ices, the old one. What's the difference? Ices, the one that exists now, has AUG streaming capability. We like AUG. AUG is good. AUG is great for Firefox, Chrome, Chromium, Conqueror, Opera, Reconc, XMMS, Audacious, VLC, Rhythmbox, just everything. Everything you can think of that you know and love, AUG Vorbis is a fine streaming format. And then there's everyone else, with their Safaris and their Internet Explorers and their iTunes. And none of those, of course, will play nicely with og. Great. So that means we're going to have to have two streams here. The easiest way to do well, the easiest way for me to do that was to use the old version of Isis, uh, which I don't know what it's called. I think it's just called the old version, but but it was it was named for the slackbuild.org people isis-cc. I don't know what the dash cc was supposed to stand for, I really don't. But it's the old version of ICEs 0.4.3, very specifically. This is the old version of ICEs, and the significant thing about that is that it, it, it can handle MP3 streaming. So if you've got the old version of Isis handy in a buildable way, and it might not be, I've tried to build it from scratch on a Debian box, and it wasn't really playing that nicely with a bunch of components, and I eventually just kind of gave up on it because I lost interest and I found a different solution, which I will share with you later. But right now, we're going to go with ICES. So if you want to do this for real, in real life, you want to have two streams, because otherwise, everyone will have to use Firefox or Chrome or Chromium or Opera or whatever you can offer your listeners or VLC to, to do AUG streaming correctly. And, and in real life for like maximum audience that's a little bit dicey that's a little bit tough I mean' I've, I've heard back from I, I used to only be doing an auG stream and I heard back from a lot of people like a surprising number of people I was honestly surprised how how they couldn't get the thing to, to work and the reason was was that they were using um, I guess, a, a non Firefoxian browser, I'm guessing. I, I I don't really remember exactly, but they could they couldn't figure out. I mean, like they would click on the thing and it would want to open in some external media player like iTunes or whatever, and it just wouldn't play. And emailing people back twenty times a day saying, "Okay, you need to either install this component for your QuickTimes or your or you need to install this browser or you need to click on it in this way." That's not realistic, so you're gonna probably end up having two streams. Sorry. So, ICES, the current version, will only stream AUG. ICES, the old version, will stream both MP3 and AUG, but may not be readily available for your platform. Either way, we're gonna go with ICES for now, because it's got a simple XML-based configuration file that talks really easily and quickly to IceCast. But then we're going to, in a later episode, we will look at a different solution that can give you the same effect uh, in a different way. And there's th- there's some really nice features of these other solutions as well. So I'm not saying that ISIS is necessarily the best solution. I'm saying for now, just to get this thing finished within this episode, this is going to be the easy solution. So for now, resign yourself to an aug only stream if you only have the new version of ISIS. Or switch to slackware you know you want to anyway and install Isis cc that's the 0.4.3 version and then you'll have a, you'll have the capability of having both an mp3 and a dog stream okay so we're going to keep it simple we're installing Isis and you open up the Isis configuration file which again it's obviously going to depend on where your distribution places it for me it was just in slash Etsy slash Isis- cc.conf dot new actually. Um, So you could rename it to just isis-cc.conf and then take a look at it in in your text editor at Emacs, uh, Nano, Vim, whatever. So right up at the top of this conf file there's a file value that you need to set. By default it's called playlist.txt and frankly that's good enough. I mean uh, that's that's what I do. But y- you could name it something else if you want. The the important thing to, to know here is that that's the playlist. That's your master playlist that you will populate with all the names of all the songs that you want to play on your stream, and Isis will look to that file. So you want to kind of either remember the name of this thing or set it to something that you will remember. But playlist.txt seems pretty logical to me. There's a randomize option, which is set by default to one. I set it to zero myself. Zero means it'll play through in the order that you specified. One meaning that it will randomize your playlist. And there's a couple of different things that you can use to handle all of this, you know, to parse the playlist and stuff like that. There's the built-in engine or, or module, there's Perl, and there's Python. I just left it on built-in. I'm not sure if there are any particular advantages to switching it to something else, but from what I understand, if you're using fancy scripts that are interacting with Isis, then yeah, you might want to change it to something else so that you can kind of tap into a different... I guess APIs and stuff like that. I set the execution to 1 to make it run as a background process. You may want to leave it at 0 for now, however, so that you can see kind of a, a verbose debugging message when you launch ISIS just to make sure that you're getting everything right. But in real life after I've got everything set up, I set it to 1 so that it does launch essentially as a as a daemon. The next value you'll want to set is probably the log the log folder the, where, where the logs are going to get dumped in w- when you're demonizing Isis by default it's sla- it's set to slash temp and it explicitly says in a comment don't use slash temp um, not really sure the logic there but that's cool so change it to something that you feel more comfortable with and of course that the the the, the user running ISAs is going to have access to so that it can actually write the log file, otherwise Isis will n- not launch properly. So what you might want to do is leave it as slash temp for your first go-round, just because obviously it's going to be able to l- write log files to slash temp. And once you see that it's working and up and running, then choose where you're going to re- write your log files to. It's probably going to be somewhere in var, uh, slash var slash log, and, and then make that happen and give it the correct permissions. So maybe start with temp, that's probably the logic, start with temp just to, for debugging purposes or test, testing purposes and then change it later. That's what I did. The the next thing that you're going to have to set, just going continuing down this configuration file, is the streaming server, the server that ICES wants to connect to. Because I remember I said that IceCast is a conduit, so we have to point ICES to that conduit. We have to tap into that conduit, and this is where we're doing that. So The host name we can leave as localhost because it is. And if you'll recall, the IceCast server, when we were setting the IceCast XML up, we left that as localhost. So localhost, localhost, very consistent. The port um, of that host that that IceCast or the streaming server is existing on, that's set to 8000 by default, and sure enough, that's what we left it as. And then of course the password. And do you remember the password? Yes, the password was purple llamas. Shh, don't tell anybody. Um, so we'll set that to purple llamas. And the protocol, of course, is HTTP. I don't know really a whole lot about changing that from HTTP, although for older versions of IceCast, I guess there was a different protocol. But, of course, I just left it on HTTP. Next is the mount point. So you've got IceCast kind of creating this pipeline out to the world, but there's not really anything to latch on to, there's no data there, right? So we need to create a data point, a mount point, for for the browsers and the media players to latch on to and get the the data in that stream. By default it's slash ices, I, I don't leave it as that because that's just a weird name for a mount point when you're, you know, migratestreamingserver.com colon 8000 slash ICES. That's weird. Uh, You could call it slash MP3. You know, you you can call it whatever you want to, really, something that makes sense. You can also, of course, alias it, you know, so that if if you're listening on port 8000 and someone goes to 8000, then you could just make sure that they end up at that mount point. You can do all kinds of fancy things, but just set it to something logical right now. For this one, ICES-CC, I'll call this one slash MP3, and then later I'll fire up just ices and call that slash og, And then you can do different metadata types of things, like the name of the stream. By default, it's set to, quote, default stream. Not very interesting, so you might want to call it, you know, my cool internet radio station. The genre, you could give it a genre. The description, the URL that you want to point people to if they ever stumble across your, your streaming server, they want to know, like, who you are, where they can go get information, more information. And then very importantly, you need to set the bitrate. 128 is the default I have personally found that's a little bit high for the the kind of bandwidth that I have access to. I think I set it to 96 and was pretty happy with it. I think I've even set it lower and have been complacent. You can re-encode it, one for mono or two for stereo, or just leave it to zero for it to not re-encode. You can set a different sample rate and how many channels you want and that's it, that's the end of that configuration file. If you have set all of those values, then you're pretty much ready to go with your ISA's streaming source. The problem now is that you have no playlist. So ISA's, you could start it, it would run, but it doesn't see any music for it to play. So you need to create a playlist. You can put the playlist anywhere. I've put it in user, local, share. I've put it in the main user's home folder. I've played around with where it's gonna go couple of times. Y- you can put it wherever. Just make sure that that, that it's in a place that ICES, the user running Ices, would be able to access. You know, you don't want to put it into your home folder if you've got 700 permission set on your home folder, right? So make sure that it's something that other users can read. And the playlist is very simple. It's a line one song per per line list of all the songs of all the files you want Isis to play. You're going to want to make sure that you have full paths set in all of your all of the song titles. So make sure you go from the root directory into the next directory into your into your songs or wherever they exist. If they're in slash home slash clat two slash albums slash pneumatic dark side of the moon slash track one dot then make sure that you're giving it that whole path so that Isis can find the songs. You have to remember that Isis isn't going to be run as clat2. It's its its own process. It's going to be run as whatever the, the maintainers of that package have set it to for you on your system. And so it needs to have access, and it needs to know where to look for all the different music that you've got on your system that you want to be streaming. Now we need to start it because obviously it's installed and it's configured, we just have not actually yet started the process. There is an rc.isys-cc that c- was bundled along with the isys-cc package that I got from slackbuilds.org. I don't know where it comes from, I don't know exactly who, I mean, I know who wrote it, but I don't know really who they're affiliated with or anything like that. You could adapt it for whatever distribution you're you're running. Or you can simply start it manually or, or roll your own. The, the command to be most aware of, the, the basic command, is ISIS ICES or ISIS-CC-B, capital B as in background, space-C dash as in configuration, and then the path to the configuration file dash F, as in file, that's a capital F, file, and then the path to the playlist. And that's pretty much all you should need to launch this thing as a daemon. Once it's launched, it has now created a mount point in your IceCast conduit stream type thing, meaning that you should be able to now point your browser or media player to HTTP colon slash slash com s- uh, colon 8000 slash mp3 in my case, because that's what I named the mount point in the ISA's configuration file. You remember that. We just did it a couple of moments ago. So now if people point their browser or their media player to migratestreaming com colon 8000 slash mp3, they will in fact hear the music on my hard drive that was in my playlist streaming via ices-cc through icecast streaming server to the world. And that's it. That's done. Now, the other th- step that you would probably want to take, or at least that I would want to take, is to then set up ices without the CC, the newer version of ices that only supports OG Vorbis, and use that to create an OG stream. And that's done exactly the same way. It's not a big deal is it's simply creating another mount point. So you've got a slash mp3 and a slash aug mount point, both going into the IceCast conduit, and people can point their browser to the slash aug or the slash mp3. Now, in real life, of course, you don't want to have your users to really know that there's a difference, right? Users don't understand that. They don't understand choice, right? You just want to send them to some place and have their browser figure out that they're that they need an MP3 or that they need an aug stream and you can deliver it to them depending on whichever they actually need so the way to do that at least the way I did that is to make a really really simple web page it's not complex and through the magicalness of HTML5 it is really really simple and I'll have to post this I guess on in the show notes but it, it's it's literally like maybe 5 lines of code so it is audio Auto play loop controls auto buffer preload equals auto and then the source src equals http colon slash slash migrate streaming server example dot com colon eight thousand slash mp3 type equals audio slash mp3 close tag source src equals http colon slash slash migrate streaming server dot com colon eight thousand slash og type equals audio slash aug, close tag, close audio. And that's it. So that's four lines of code. It's the HTML5 audio tag doing what it does best, which is giving the user an invisible choice between the MP3 stream or the aug stream. The browser, of course, checks to see which one of those it supports, and then it delivers to the user a nice little in-browser play controls, uh, and and it'll play the stream for them, right there in their in their um, in their web browser, uh, and in fact, you could put some error text there as well, so that if they don't have HTML5, it would it would just tell them, "Hey, you don't have HTML5. You should go use Firefox or whatever." So, it that's it's as simple as that. I will put that code in the show notes for you, and and you've got it. That's it. That's that's the long and short of of this whole experience? Well, not quite. Of course, there's always that catch about the firewall, right? So if you're doing this, you are just—you got a friend, and you guys want to listen to the same music at the same time or something, so you set this thing up, you're behind a router, you're behind a firewall, they can't get to your streaming server. You can hear it inside, they can't hear it outside. Well, you should know by now from my previous episodes on um, dynamic DNS and SSH and stuff, which I should have the episode number and I don't, but it's a long time ago. But you should know by now that in order for someone on the outside to get into your network, all you need to do is poke a hole in your firewall. And it's 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 IP forwarding, sometimes it's called virtual server, could be called a lot of different things, unfortunately, in, in each router. But if you log into your router, and it's usually something like 192.168.1.1, could be different, though, you kind of, have to look at the documentation for your your particular brand of router to find out. But you log into that as the admin, you log in, you can go to your firewall or your virtual server or your IP forwarding, whatever they call it, and just tell it if someone comes a knocking at this router on port eight thousand, then send it to this computer on my network. This computer needs to be the one running IceCast, right? So so just do an if config find out what your IP address is on that computer running IceCast. And so you would forward port 8000 from the exterior of your firewall, that is from the outside world, 8000, route it over to that computer, so let's just pretend like that's 192.168.1.11 port 8000, because IceCast is still listening on port 8000. So you're forwarding port 8000 from your world IP address whatever you get back from the command curl i can has dot com, you get that... you get port 8000 from that number, forward it to your internal address, one or whatever we said it was, port 8000. And so now, it's, it's almost as if the, there's no firewall for that. You can do fancier things, like change the port number, you know, p- change the exterior port to something different, like 12888 eight, eight, and then forward that to port 8000 of 192.168.1.11. However you want to work it, you can do it. Doesn't really matter, but you need to do that if you want the outside world to hear your music. So that's always a consideration. Whatever server you're on, even if you don't have an external firewall, you probably have IP tables running or something. So keep that in mind when, when testing this out people are trying to tune in and it's rejecting their connection or whatever, remember, you've probably got some kind of safety device in place there, and you need to just kind of open up one port on that, forward it to your Icecast server, and then it will work. That's about it for um, Icecast streaming. I mean, we've, we've we've set it up. We've got Icecast going, we've got ICES playing our playlist and ICES-CC playing our playlist, so we've got dual streams going, and we've got an automatic failover web front-end that people can use via HTML5 to stream whichever type of stream they, they want to play. It, it, it automatically detects what they need and makes sure that they get some sound almost no matter what. So, hope you've enjoyed this episode. I'm going to be back for a little bit on the different methods of automating this process, or not automating, but making your little internet radio sort of easy to use. and alternate um streaming sources so that you don't necessarily have to use ises and ises-cc there are other other solutions some of them have pretty gooey front ends some of them do not and we will check them out in later episodes thanks for listening HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binref.com. All Binrev projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Sharealike, 3.0 license.